Welcome to Understanding Our Times, the program where we look at current events that are happening in the country and around the world. And to start out today, we have a very special guest, all the way from Brooklyn Park, Minnesota, Pastor Mark Henry, Revive Church. Pastor Mark, welcome to the program. Ken, it's good to be with you. And Josh, great to be with you guys. Thanks for uh, encouraging our friends around the world. Appreciate it. Well, it's always great to be with you also. So before we dive into our topics today, man, a lot's been going on at Revive Church and with you personally. Tell us a little bit about what's transpired here in the last couple months. Yeah, you know, Jesus made a promise that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And you know, we're going to talk about a bunch of crazy things happening in the news right now. But the bottom line is this, Jesus is going to build his church. Satan's going to try to oppose it. Uh, the world's falling apart, but as Jan always says, the world's really falling into place because God knows, God cares, and and He's going to do that. So, so you know, Revive Church this last year, uh, well, really a year ago, November, uh, Pastor Tom from Four Twelve Church just said, you know, hey, uh, I've got to spend another year at Four Twelve, and you know, how about doing something with with Four Twelve? And I shared with me, you know, we could bring Revive Church and Four Twelve together, and and uh, this last weekend, you know, as the as the two churches have come together, you know, often we hear about church splits. But the question is, have you seen any churches come together? And, uh, and we've seen these churches come together, amazing staffs on both sides. Um, and, and this weekend, you know, between the two campuses, we had 3,400 people and we're excited uh, live, you know, and, and ministered to them. And, and uh, so God's, God's really blessing the family. Yeah. So just so we know, you're the lead pastor at both churches? Yeah, so, so if you kind of think about uh, two campuses, uh, there's seven services that happen on the weekend. We've got staff, you know, great staff in both places. So I'm the lead pastor. We have, we're committed to live preaching. So we've got uh, uh, a whole preaching team on both sides. And uh, our, our, our leadership team is like really deep. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of churches are really weak. You might have like a great lead pastor, a great preaching pastor, but, you know, they get sick or something happens or they leave and everything falls apart. And and the bottom line is you got to have leaders in, in growing churches and, and, and when churches are, you know, expanding the advancement of the gospel, you got to have really deep leaders. And we're just really excited about the leadership teams that we have on both sides and God's blessing both campuses. And uh, I'll be going back and forth and, and uh, preaching with the guys. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. It's next year. Jesus is advancing the church in bigger ways than we've, than we've, we've seen in, in our, in our lifetime. At least well, that lives. is, that is awesome. And the people I've spoke yeah. with that have gone there, uh, really enjoy it because you get a variety. It's, it's not that they don't want to hear you every week, but they get a, they get a variety of different messages from different people or the same message from different people, different takes on those messages. Yeah, you know, actually, if you look in, in the book of, of Acts, Acts 13, the church of Antioch, which is like the strong church that quite often I always tell people, we want to be the Antioch church in the Bible, not the Corinth church or, or one of these other churches, but the Antioch church, because we're sitting here today because of their devotion to the Lord and their willingness to share leaders. They had five on their preaching team, when you read that in Acts chapter 13, and they took two of those guys and sent them out, shared them, and as a result of that, they birthed all these daughter churches and, uh, and we've kind of just followed that same model, so we're excited. Well, we're excited for you. Well, let's dive into our topic today. So last week, the World Economic Forum wrapped up their conference. And I, I have to tell you, as I've been traveling across the country and speaking at various conferences and churches, people are starting to wake up. And there are a number of people who have never heard of the World Economic Forum uh, what the World Health Organization is up to and the United Nations. Those three entities, I think, are, are coming together to form this global government. And I know all of us agree 
that could very well lead to the to the one world government that we're going to see during the tribulation, the beast system. And all these global elitists gather each year in Davos, Switzerland in January. They obviously talk throughout the year. But you're, we're talking about billionaires, millionaires, Fortune 500 uh, companies that are involved in this. Uh, the world monetary system is involved. The world, like I said, the health, World Health Organization, the climate activists. So all of these global entities have come together and they have decided they're going to tell us how we're going to live our lives. And like I said, each year they meet in Davos, Switzerland. Well, they wrapped it up last week. But I just want to start out today. They opened up their ceremonies with one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. So let's take a look at how they opened up their uh, ceremonies last week. The World Economic Forum is in full swing as liberal elites from all over the world travel to the wealthy and difficult to access Swiss mountain town of Davos to hobnob, enrich themselves, and conspire to control all of our lives. And if that doesn't sound cartoonishly villainous enough, the WEF elites decided to kick things up a notch this year by inviting an actual witch to cast magic spells on the panelists. That I... <sighs> We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths, a man and a woman. So that had to be one of the most bizarre openings to a, a summit that I've ever seen. That last section that you saw was actually from the United States Congress where they had a minister show up a couple years ago, and he invoked a pagan uh, God into the, into the proceedings and to oversee the House of Representatives. And past, guys, I want to get your opinion. What happens when you invoke a pagan demonic God into a government, into your business, into your family? What are the consequences of that? It's dangerous and the consequences are far reaching. Um, and really what you're seeing is the effects of that in the here and now. Uh, we see the consequences being birthed and worked out as we see chaos and continued deception and destruction in our homes, in our churches, in our nation, and it's it's not a good place to be. Yeah, you know, I, I think, guys, we got to remember there's only two kingdoms. There's God's kingdom and there's Satan's kingdom, and it's a big theme in my preaching because um, it is really, really important. Jesus said you will know them by their fruit. There's two kingdoms. We'll know them by their fruit. So when we see wickedness, um, unrighteousness, immorality, um, confusion, moral confusion, right? We know it's not the kingdom of God. We know it's the kingdom of Satan. And, and we know about the kingdom of God is going to be righteousness and love and peace and joy and, and an honoring of God. Uh, there's going to, it's going to be lawful rather than lawless. And the contrast is there. And so when we see these leaders, whether they're in Davos or whether they're here in the United States, some of them don't believe that God exists. And therefore, this is just, you know, fairy tales and who cares if we, you know, have these pagan leaders come and, and breathe over us or breathe on us. Pretty interesting, you know, 
the one video, he's got a mask on in Congress and now they're breathing on people, same group of people. Anyway, that's a whole other discussion. But, but, but think about the spiritual implications. We're asking Satan to come in and influence the government of the United States, or we're asking Satan to come and lead these, these world leaders. Listen, Satan would love to do that. He's always opposed God. He wants the world to worship him. Uh, listen, Jesus is going to come to the millennial kingdom, right? Jesus is going to come. He's going to establish his millennial kingdom, rule from Jerusalem over uh, the world for a thousand years, and then he's going to create new heavens, new earth, and rule forever. Um, but this is Satan's chance during the time of the tribulation to pull all this together. And in the providence of God, mm-hmm. unlike any time in history, these these you know billionaires uh, you know on their way to becoming trillionaires. You got these Fortune 500 companies afraid that they're going to miss out on the global economy if they don't jump in uh, and be regulated out. These guys are movers and shakers, and they're using their leverage, their money to, to buy off countries, to buy off leaders. Um, and never in, in history have we seen this. And, and actually, never in history have we seen a world power like the United States willing to acquiesce and willing just to cave in and, quite honestly, filled with a government full of traitors, traitors to God and traitors to the people they're supposed to be leading. Government leaders should be watching for the safety and security of the citizens of that country, and yet, We've got exactly the opposite. Again, so which kingdom is that from? It's the exact opposite of God's intent in creation of government. So, yeah, that's what shocks me the most, that we're willing to give up our our sovereignty. Uh, The Constitution is is basically obsolete, and we're seeing that right now. Well, one of the main themes of the World Economic Forum this year was the disinformation versus misinformation. And we're really going to talk about that we're going to hit it hard in part two. We, this is a two-part uh, series that we're going to do with Pastor Mark, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But just to give you a heads up, they want to set up policies and procedures to stop misinformation. And man, who doesn't want to stop inf- misinformation? Doesn't that sound great? Well, what we're finding out is the misinformation they want to stop is the actual truth. In other words, the truth of the Bible that's going to come out truth, conservative values, Judeo-Christian values. That's what they're labeling as misinformation, and therefore they want to stop that. I think we've all, uh, all of our ministries, we've had things taken off social media because of content. You're going to see more and more of that actual truth is going to be suppressed. So, and, but what, I've, what I really liked and what I really enjoyed, if you've watched what happened at the World Economic Forum this year, not everyone was in agreement. Not everyone was happy about what these global elitists are doing, and they know it, and they still invited some of these people. In other words, if you haven't seen uh, the president of Argentina, go online and look at his scathing speech of the World Economic Forum. Uh, the Chase, uh, Chase Manhattan CEO, Jamie Dimon, came out and said, you know what, the policies that were enacted in the last administration, you know what, they worked pretty good. And we should probably go back to some of those. So maybe some of your policies that you're trying to implement aren't working out so well. And then my favorite was from the president of the Heritage Foundation, Kevin Roberts. We're going to take a look at what he said. And man, he lit these guys up. So take a look at what he had to say. I'll be candid here because I think I've been invited here to be candid. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. Martha, good morning. Uh, The message is quite clear. Do not come. Uh, The border is closed. The border is secure. Elites tell us 
that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change. The solutions, the average person know, cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Important uh, body of evidence now that's been laid out that really uh, doesn't leave us any space for debate. Another supranational organization, the World Health Organization. It's almost impossible to exaggerate how troubling what is being discussed is. In fact, I think it is fair to say that we are in the middle of a coup, that we are actually facing the elimination of our national and our personal sovereignty, then come May of this year, your nation is almost certain to sign on to an agreement that in some utterly vaguely described future circumstance, a public health emergency, which the Director General of the World Health Organization has total liberty to define in any way that he sees fit. In other words, Nothing prevents um, climate change from being declared a public health emergency that would trigger the provisions of these modifications. The kind of person who will come into the next conservative administration is going to be governed by one principle, and that is destroying the grasp that political elites and unelected technocrats have over the average person. And if I may, I will be candid and say that the agenda that every single member of the administration needs to have is to compile a list of everything that's ever been proposed at the World Economic Forum and object <laughs> all of them wholesale. Well, how about that, gentlemen? Uh, I'm surprised the hook didn't come out and he wasn't reeled off stage after that comment. Uh, it, it's, it's the truth, though, and I don't think he'll be invited back there. So if you look at what, like, John Kerry said, the debate's over. That's it. This is fact. And anything that you tell us is misinformation. And then we need to talk about what's coming down the pipe. Because if this goes through these policies that the World Health Organization wants to imply, we've been hearing this now for over a year now, but now it sounds like it's ready to go, which would let the World Health Organization uh, mandate a, a crisis or an emergency uh, leading up to anything, including climate change. I mean, how bizarre is that, guys? Well, it is the total surrender of the United States and the sovereignty of the United States. And um, it is one of the most terrifying things. Actually, Michelle Bachman was the one who yes. called Jan, Jan Markell, and said, Jan, this is what's happening. We've got to alert people. You guys remember that? All year. of us went online, every, every platform we could, and said, hey, you've got to push back against this. But, you know, here it is again, because these global elites are willing to invest their money, keep working it, keep working it, keep working it you know, knock people off however they've got to, to get these objectives done. And so rather than a sovereign individual nation, the United States of America, God bless America, uh, surrender our rights so that the organization, the World Health Organization can, can decide who shuts down, when they shut down, why they shut down, could be global, could be, you know, well, there's, you know, it's too hot in Texas, so we're going to shut down, mm -hmm. you know, uh, all the cars in Texas or whatever the case might be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or how about this? Guns are a danger, yeah. so therefore we're gonna we're gonna put a lockdown on guns around the globe, and this is for this is for the safety and the health yeah. and well-being. Yeah. Um, and, and what that means is the second uh, the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution 
is the thing they're going to go after. Trust me, the bad guys, the cartels down in Mexico and Latin America are still going to have their guns. The Chinese will provide that for them. But it's really going after the citizens of the United States. But guys, one of the things to remember is, is as much as we love America, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven, right? Exactly. To live as Christ, to die as game. And the apostle Paul says, however these things work out on earth, you and I need to live worthy of the gospel, honor Jesus Christ, um, invite people to, to believe in him during these days. These things are going to happen. Um, and there is going to be Revelation 13. There is going to be a world of government. And, and so you got to be careful that we don't like talk about these things and like, we're going to oppose these things. Listen, God's already told us these things are going to happen. And so as we see them unfold, it's like, wow, here we are. Mm-hmm. We're living in these last days. You better draw near to Jesus while you can. Yeah, like we've been talking, the concern that we have is that those patriots, as they're labeled, uh, people that love the country, and, and a lot of times they get patriotism and following Christ mixed up, I think. You can have one and you can have both, but um, we need to be followers of Christ first before we, uh, and please don't, this the violence and lawlessness that it, I think is going to come down the pipe. Um, I, I think it's going to be very dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. People are going to get very upset because you have two opposing sides, and the and the division is so clear. So uh, that's that's my advice to people from uh, as a former law enforcement person. Uh, don't get involved in in some of this activity. The uh, go out and protest if you need to, but the violence and lawlessness that isn't going to get anyone anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really important, Ken, to say, number one, as citizens of the United States, you need to vote. Mm-hmm. You, you are the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you trusted Jesus, as you say, if you haven't, you need to trust Jesus today. But if you have, then when we talk about moral issues or we talk about areas of righteousness. Now, I get attacked all the time. You know, it's just uh, just recently we had, uh, uh, you know, it's January 21st is, is uh, Life Weekend, Single Life yeah. Weekend. And so people say, you're being political, you're being political. No, we're being theological. You're created by God. You're creating God's image. Your life is sacred. Your life is sacred. Your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives are all sacred. Life begins at conception. That's what the Bible teaches. And so you and I need to vote accordingly in, in light of that as followers of Jesus. Now listen, as, as God gives America over to our sin, and, he, and he, it's doing that, and it, and it terrifies me because I don't want my kids, I don't want you, I don't want our friends to live through that. What, Ken, what you're saying is so important. We are not the lawless ones. We are the ones who believe what the scripture says, Romans 13, submitting to government, giving honor to whom honor is due, praying for those who are in authority, 1 mm-hmm. Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. We need to be praying for Biden. We need to pray for his salvation. Yes. Uh, Harris, all of the rest of these individuals, these judges who are serving in various capacities. Listen, the world may complain. We're the ones that pray. We're the ones that do good. We're the ones that rescue people people with through the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And, and I think it's just easy to kind of get that really confused. Um, but, but just remember this, that God judges every nation at some point for their sin, including Israel. And he will judge uh, America or any other nation for their, for their wickedness. And I just, wanna, I just wanna read this verse to you, Jeremiah 10, 10. Listen to these words. The Lord is the true God. Um, he is the living God, the everlasting King. There's, this is the problem with these globalists and stuff. They think they're the king. They think they're a final authority. They're just temporary, like the, the grass that withers, like the chaff that's blown away in the air. There's an everlasting God. It goes on. 
At his wrath, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Be careful, America. Be careful, the rest of you nations. Be careful, you world leaders. There's a God in heaven, and you're going to give an account to him. Mm-hmm. Amen. Josh, you want to wrap us up? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's very important to have this conversation because we need to have a lens through which to look at all this through. And I really think it's important to come to the scriptures like we've been in. And I want to point us to Philippians chapter 4 for a moment. Philippians 4 verses 8 and 9 says this. Paul, this is an exhortation to the church in Philippi, a church that he loved dearly. He says this, finally, brothers, term of endearment there, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It is so easy for everything that's happening in the world to consume our heart, our mind, and our time. We have to take what Paul says in his letters to the Philippians seriously. We have to be consumed about these things, the word of God, things that are lovely and pure and wonderful that point us to Jesus, to our only hope so that we can share the gospel with others, so that we can even remind ourselves about the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ, because that is our strength. That's what helps us to persevere. It's so important to be there. And friend, if you've never heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, I want to point you very uh, directly to what Paul says in Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, Paul lays out an argument that no one is righteous, no one is good, Everyone has sinned, that is, fallen short, uh, uh, disobeyed the commands of God, and are therefore enemies of God's holy, uh, holiness and righteousness. But there in Romans 3.24, he says this, Yet everyone is justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Did you catch it? We are all sinful, broken, and separated from the holy God, the creator of everything. But God desired a relationship with everyone so deeply that he sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and to die a perfect death so that he could bridge the chasm of sin. And it is received not by works, but by faith, by placing your hope, your rest, your trust, your belief in Jesus alone. His work is finished and completed. He was sent by God. He died. He raised again to prove that he was the perfect sacrifice. Friends, that's how we receive salvation. That's how we receive eternal life and are transferred from darkness to light by placing our faith in Jesus. That's where we need to be. That's the hope that we have, right, men? Amen. Amen. Excellent. Well, Pastor Mark, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, Folks, this is just part one Uh, Join us next week for part two as we continue this conversation with Pastor Josh and Pastor Mark, and we'll look into some of the disinformation and misinformation and what God tells us we should be doing. So until next week, keep looking up uh, for your redemption draws near. 